is the Under Center Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Under Center Podcast. I'm your host, Dara Marr, and I am joined by just one co-host again this week. But it's not Jake Woolhead, it's Fionn Malloy. Fionn, welcome back. Thank you very much. Yeah, we're having a bit of a dispute at the moment, so we can't be on air together at the same time until that gets sorted. But it was his week last week, and it's going to be my week this week. So we'll see, go- we'll see if we can mend, mend the fence between us. I was going to ask, did you have a falling out that I wasn't privy to? Yeah, yeah, he just, you know how he runs his mouth and especially with the, the week that was in it with the with the Giants and Washington game, uh, it, it all got a bit heated. I, he's definitely wrong. So once he comes to realize that he's wrong and apologizes, we should have no more problems. I'm a he's big man. A- I, I can accept an apology. <laughs> he's just a little upset that uh, he owes you a picture now, is it? Two pitchers now, by the way. Remember, <laughs> we had the draft picture as well. So I'm going to be locked for the rest of the season at this point. <laughs> <laughs> brilliant brilliant so um i guess i am like that kid in a, a divorce settlement one week mm-hmm. i'm with you and the next week i'm going to be with jake um but nonetheless the viewer still gets uh, all of me which is the important thing so uh we are back for another week's reaction of season games last week we had our week one overreactions this time i think we won't overreact so much with our uh, reviews of games. Um, we won't go too in-depth into reviews, but we'll talk a little bit about the sort of stories behind after some of the games that have been coming out. And it is the return of the big wheel of topics. Now, Fionn, this is your first time seeing the uh, big wheel of topics here on the show. You've seen some of the topics we're going to speak about today, and I think we have a good bunch. Yeah, I'm very excited. I love to talk, as you all know at this point. So I'm pretty sure we can we can rifle through a few of them here on the show, and hopefully all the fans will be entertained. I think the the wheel is fast becoming a, a fan favorite really quickly. Yeah, and of course, this is the first of many shows that we're going to have this week as well. The, on tomorrow, uh, on Thursday, we will have our Thursday night preview uh, with. Um, uh, the what is Panthers uh, traveling to Houston to take on the Texans. So that'll be an interesting game. Two te- teams with two records that we didn't probably expect them to have at this point of the year. So it's going to be an interesting game. We have some really good guests lined up for that too. Keep an eye on our social media pages at Undercenter Podcast on Twitter and at Undercenter Pod, I should say, not podcast, Undercenter Pod on Twitter and the exact same at Undercenter Pod on Instagram. We will announce the guests on that so you can keep an eye out for it too. So some really good guests this week. And of course, on Friday, it's going to be our second episode of our YouTube exclusive uh, Beat the Bookie show. We'll try and get you uh, in position to win a bit of money over the weekend with our picks. I do have to say though, my picks weren't so good. They will, they had a chance, but the fact that I think I had Carolina and I had the Rams uh, at minus three and a half to cover the spread, and they both won by three points. Or I think no, sorry, the 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 Car- Carolina, or not Carolina, sorry, the Cardinals won by two, and the Rams won by three. So they barely, they just. They just didn't cover, so um, that hopefully I can uh, rectify myself this week and uh, win you a bit of money. And I'm sure, Fionn, you will have some sort of bet lined up for later in the week so that uh, so someone can win a bit more money as well. 
Absolutely, yeah. And I'm afraid, Dara, Klaus just doesn't cut it when you're dealing with bookies. We need to start getting no. these rolling in or we won't be getting much attention paid to these uh, the bookies <laughs> show if we can't beat the bookies like we promised. Well, the thing is, we might end up getting sponsored by bookies because we're making them so much money. That would so you never more know. More likely happen, I think. <laughs> <laughs> That's our secret plan all along. Give people the bet so we can give it all to the bookies so they'll sponsor us and maybe give us a kickback. But no, I'm only joking. That's that's of course not the way we want to do it. We want to make sure you, the viewer, are winning a bit of money off it as well because you know everyone deserves a bit of, to, to win a bit of money every now and again. But let's get into the crooks of the show we're going to spin our big wheel of topics for the very first time today uh i'm just going to pop it up here on screen there it is and as you can see there are some interesting topics in there um does flores have watson's number wentz's dodgy ankles joe judge on the hot seat uh, so there's a good few uh, interesting ones there, but let's spin the wheel for the first time though, and let's see what we're going to talk about first today. Round and round it goes. Where is it going to land? Wentz's dodgy ankles. So the news came out uh, early on Monday, I believe, that Carson Wentz has sprained both his ankles. Uh, and he actually has a protective boot on one of them and is walking around with a mobility scooter, which obviously doesn't sound great for Colts fans, Fionn, and but also doesn't sound great for the Eagles because they're in danger of not getting their first-round pick as part of this trade. Yeah, it's unfortunate on both ends. Obviously, we have an extra bit of skin in the game given that Wentz is our starting quarterback for one of our fantasy teams, so that's not great quite unusual to sprain both your ankles i i believe on the same play he could have been playing through a, a previous injury but that's really not good i think colts fans would be quite nervous given his very recent history of foot problems and the surgery he had in the offseason that kept him out it was actually quite a surprise for him to be even playing in these two games he's made a, a really quick recovery i think the colts fans will hope the boot and the the scooter is of course precaution and just not to put any undue stress on those ankles strains i'm not a doctor but strains i believe are are not the worst thing of course they're graded like every other injury so i don't know if we've got any information about what grade they are but i think we're hoping that it's quite mild and that wentz will be back on the pitch if not after next week then the week after the only the only good side is maybe the colts will get to see jacob eason he didn't do too badly when he came on he's played pretty well in the preseason so maybe that bit of proper nfl action will do him a world of good in terms of bringing him along in the future and maybe being a starting quarterback for, if not the Colts, some other team in the NFL quite soon. Yeah, it was a pretty crappy situation for Easton to come into because it was late in the fourth quarter. They were three points down trying to get a drive up in a field goal position to possibly tie to go to overtime or possibly win it. And then unfortunately he does throw that pick to uh, pretty much ice the game. Um when you pay, it, like I said, it's tough because you've been sitting there for three and a half quarters, um, not expecting to come into the game, and then you're expected there just to try and lead a drive to to win the game. So maybe, like you're saying, they go to the Titans this Sunday, um, so in a divisional game, and if Wentz isn't available, Eason will probably get the start. And, it's a it's it's quite a place, a division rival to start your first uh, NFL game. So we'll we'll see there. But in terms of longer term, with Wentz, you know, 
quite notably he is he, he he is unvaccinated so that is another risk that we have to bring into it he had the foot surgery in the off season he had the uh, ACL injury with the Eagles he had he's had multiple concussions now he's had two sprained ankles the injury list is getting longer and longer with Wentz and you wonder if this injury is worse than expected and he does miss a considerable amount of time I'm going to throw this out at you. Should the Colts look at bringing in Nick Foles? No, I don't think so. I think at this point in time, like I mentioned with Jacob Eason, I think you already have your backup ready. I think there's more to gain by giving him game time. I don't think Foles guarantees you any more wins than Eason does at this point in his career. Wentz has got to be nervous as well. Like you mentioned, you just rattled off the amount of injuries he's had. Okay, some of them have been minor and he's bounced back really quick, i.e. the foot surgery. Uh, Others have had a lasting impact. It's hard to judge that last year in Philadelphia, how much the injury played a part and how much was bad play completely unrelated. So he does run the risk, I think, of getting that label of injury prone and that might hurt his chances in the future. But no, going to your original point, I don't think think any team has a necessity to bring in folds. I think you stick with the backups you started the season. If you were really that interested in folds, he would already be in a conversation for a starting job somewhere. I think there's a couple of spots that are a little bit ropey. So no, I think I think you got to stick with your prospect here in Eason and try and develop what you have in house. Are the Colts though in a position though to try and develop in house because this team has sort of been set up to win now. You know, you always hear those terms, the win now mode, that the way teams mm-hmm. are. Some teams are building and some teams are ready to win now. Surely with Nick Foles there, with the experience he has got in the NFL, albeit, you know, he hasn't had a great time recently with the Jaguars and now, of course, with the Bears, that it would be maybe advantageous for the Colts, especially if they are still in with a shout to win their division because they are, to be fair, they are only one game back on the Titans at the moment. They beat the Titans on Sunday. They're back to all all square. So, you know, it, it could it could be it could come down to that if they want to win the division, maybe the best thing would be to bring in uh, a Nick Foles. It's always the temptation, but we hear every year a couple of teams are in win now. Very rarely do they actually win now. Usually one team has been primed and pretty dominant. We sh- we will see it, I believe, this year with the Buccaneers and the Chiefs returning or at least getting very close to the Super Bowl, I would say, based on the evidence we have in the first two weeks of the season. So I think there's always that temptation to go with experience, but in the NFL, you have to look at what's on tape and what's on tape for falls in recent years is not good enough, I don't think. I would always take the youth because we've seen where Herbert, you're as likely to get a breakout star once he gets a couple of snaps under his belt as you are for Falls to come back and play at a level that's going to get you to the playoffs and for and a long run in it. So for me, anyway, I would always take the chance on the youth. I don't know if I'd ever put Falls in ahead of him. Okay, okay. Uh, well, we'll call. It, that's where we'll leave it for, for this part of the discussion. We'll see what happens with, with Wentz. Like, like you were saying, Fionn, hopefully it's not too serious mm-hmm. and that he can get back on the field soon enough for the Colts because, you know, this season so far for them has just been nothing but bad luck when it comes to injuries and it comes to obviously the start that they've had as well um you know anything that could go wrong for them has gone wrong so hopefully they can sort of turn it around uh pretty soon but let's go back to the wheel 
of topics, the big wheel of topics, and let's see what we're going to talk about next. Let's spin that wheel. So let's see, where are we going to land so many good ones? Is it going to be the Seahawks? Don't tell me I have to talk about my Seahawks. No. <laughs> King Gruden and Prince Carr, because the Raiders are leading the AFC West with a 2-0 record after going to Pittsburgh and beating the Pittsburgh Steelers, and then the week before on Monday Night Football, beating the Baltimore Ravens. What's going on in Las Vegas, Phil? Yeah, it's interesting because we commented before, or at least I commented before, that the Raiders and Carr are a team that beat the teams they should and struggle to get those marquee wins during the season that keep you going. I have to say, I believe there is some asterisks beside both of these wins. Number one, week one, yes, the Baltimore Ravens look like they'll be a good team this year, but week one is always dodgy, right? There's always so much rust. It depends on who's had game time, who's had snaps, also racked with two key injuries at running back, and we know how heavily they rely on the running game. They were the number one rushing team over the last couple of years. And secondly, the Steelers, the Steelers were bad at the end of last season. There's no reason they should be considered good at the start of this season. Already we hear comments about Ben Roethlisberger being removed and Mr. Dwayne Haskins being inserted. And I think anytime you're talking about Dwayne Haskins becoming the starting quarterback, I think that shows nerves about where the team is. Not that I'm saying he he couldn't succeed in the Steelers, but I think given his history and given the time he appears to need to get himself settled, I think it's very nerve-wracking for the for the Steelers. And I don't think it puts them on a good place. I think it diminishes a little bit the quality of that Raiders win, I have to say. Yeah, I understand. And and look, the, the score that won them the game, the 60-yard touchdown to Henry Ro- or Henry Ruggs, I don't think would have happened if TJ Watt was still on the field. Obviously, he went out early in the game with a groin injury, and hopefully he's not out too long. But you can see the Steelers' defense took a step back um, after that game because it was quite close before uh, what had to be taken out of the game. And I, I agree with you in terms of, you know, with the Steelers, they, they, they seem like the Steelers are the second half of last season rather than the first. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of change on the offensive line as well that they haven't had the chance to, you know, gel together and get those game reps together. That's what obviously they're getting now. You know, Najee Harris hasn't really had the chance to really stretch his legs as a running back. He's had some good plays, obviously, in the passing game, getting that touchdown uh, on Sunday, too. Interestingly enough, one of their star wide receivers, Deontay Johnson, injured his knee late in the game on Sunday when they were trying to go for the, uh, well, I wouldn't call it the Hail Mary, but, you know, the uh, the multiple lateral passes to try and get into the end zone from their from their own end. Um, he injured his knee at, at the end of that game, so hopefully that's not too too serious too. And yeah, look, Ben is Ben is Ben. Ben is can't move. He hasn't been able to move really for a couple of years, and his arm strength has, has gone um, the way of Drew Brees. You know, he's struggling mm-hmm. to you know, throw it over sort of 20 yards. Um, and the fact that they can't get the running game going means that they're relying on on Big Ben to throw the ball a lot more than he probably should be at his age. Um, I think he threw it 40 times at least, I think, on Sunday against um, the Raiders. And in terms of the Raiders' point of view, because obviously that's what this topic is about, we're not meant to be talking about the Steelers, we're meant to be talking about the Raiders. Derek Carr is the passing leader through two games um, in the whole league with 817 yards. 
interestingly enough, though, only four touchdowns um, and one interception as compared to someone like Tom Brady, who has had uh, nine touchdowns in two games. So, you know, there, there is a little bit of a asterisk, you could say. You, he's passing leader, but he's only been involved in sort of four uh, touchdowns. So, look, look I, I'm... I kind of like Derek Carr. I think he's a he's a decent guy. He's a, he's an okay quarterback. You know, he's not the top tier, but he's definitely not the bottom tier. He's, he's, a, he's a tweener. He's a yeah. tweener. He's just good enough to make you scared to move to someone else. But I don't think he's good yeah. enough to win you the Super Bowl. I just don't believe he has that talent. I don't want to bash the Raiders. I think those are definitely two key wins, two wins they would have had question marks about at the start of the season. That's very important. I just don't believe they're a marker or signifier for wins in the future i still think you have question marks in the future about when these teams come back up again can they can they beat them that's the only thing i have so uh, no, and I, I agree with you and look the last two seasons under gruden the raiders have started well in in the season two getting wins early on it's mm-hmm. the second half of the year yeah. is when they struggle they seem to tire out and they just rack up the losses needless losses and um, it'll be interesting to see this sunday because he do face miami this year miami don't have fitzpatrick to bail them out uh, like they did last year to uh, to win that game, so we'll see we'll see what happens there. And of course, Miami are having their own issues at quarterback at the moment too. But let's park it there with our Raiders talk, and let's move on to our next. Dara, topic. Dara, Dara, before yes. before we move on, I just realized we're halfway through the show, and I've managed not to wear this T-shirt for the entire run of this show. Uh, and today, I've accidentally worn it, and we don't have the technology. To do uh, blurring, so I'm gonna have to censor myself here now for the show. I'm sorry, I love Washington, but unfortunately, that word cannot be used anymore. So I'm gonna have to uh, go like this for the rest of the show. I do apologize if we've offended anyone at the start of the show. We do, we do joke around, but we do take that seriously. That has been removed from the team, and unfortunately, yeah. it's expensive to get gear over here. So I don't have any of the new Washington stuff. If a uh, Rich sponsor would like to send me some gear. Please do get in contact with the show. But otherwise, this is the best I can do for now. And and we'll keep going. So we do apologize for that. Well, to be fair, I would say not. don't bother getting any Washington gear now until they get the name sorted. <laughs> the new logo and the new yeah. name, exactly. You know, exactly. it's kind of it's kind of like buying a, a soccer jersey over here just for it to be out of date by the end of the season because they get a whole new one, you know. So, mm-hmm. um, But no, fair, good on you, Fiona. I actually hadn't even noticed there myself. So... Well done on uh, changing that uh, that logo of the name that shall not be spoken anymore. But let's get back to the wheel. Let's see what we're going to be talking about next. I do have to say, Fion, unfortunately, we do not get to talk about the the Washington win uh, this week. But we, maybe in another way we can if it lands on the right topic. But let's find out what one we are going to be talking about. Injury Sunday. So I'm sure you are all well aware of all the injuries that took part. I think every team must have had at least one injury scare at some point mm-hmm. on uh, on Sunday. Um, and of course, on Thursday with, with Nick Gates, obviously uh, tragically uh, getting injured for for the for the Giants in their game with Washington. But just I noted a few of the names that um, went down with injuries, and I'll go through the list. Like. Who's who pretty much? So Tyrod Taylor, TJ Watt, we mentioned earlier, Carson Wentz, we mentioned earlier, 
to a Tiger Vialoa. I hope I pronounced that right. I've been trying to make sure I get that right all day. Uh, Jarvis Landry, Andrew Dalton, Bradley Chubb, Nick Gates, like I mentioned. So many injuries um, over Sunday. And it was just this weird build-up of so many players that, you know, like almost a season's worth of injury in just one day. Mm -hmm. I think the questions will always be spoken whenever we get a, an injury spate like this. The questions will be asked about whether the preseason and the preseason games and the preseason camps are run in the right way, what can be changed to prevent these seasons, but or these injuries, sorry. But for me, I think it comes down to the point I was trying to make all preseason. You can play your guys and they won't get hurt, or you can wrap them in bubble wrap, no problem. The reality is, if they go down in week two, the production you got out of them, especially for a serious injury that might end a season, is equivalent to having them in the preseason. So I do like having that freshness when the risk of injury, as we've seen this week, is humongous. And I would also like to say there are also Ryan Fitzpatrick, maybe the most important player on that list, went down. You you left them off and I would like to add him back. Well, he got injured week one. We're only talking about last Sunday. Oh yes, sorry. Okay, I thought yeah. we were going through the whole the whole injuries, and that just goes to show. Even oh, I don't have that even, much time for <laughs> even beyond that. Do you know what I mean? So, the, I think any time this amount of injuries happens in one week, and like we've seen in week one as well, we're, questions are going to be asked. And I don't know, I don't know where you fall on it, but for me, it's a reality game. It's why you have fifty two men or even more now with the COVID protocols. It's why every team has the same cringy slogan of next man up. It's not cringy, but it's it's very Hollywood of next man up, a lot of rah-rah stuff. And that's the reality. And that's why we, we took some interest in the preseason games to see who has a depth of squad. It doesn't necessarily lead you to anything important about the starters, but we do see who has a nice depth of squad at a lot of positions when they have a successful preseason versus teams that are maybe a little bit shallow at key areas. So we'll see how this plays out and how it affects the season. Yeah. And that's it. You always get injuries. Um, no, no matter what team you support, no matter what team you're looking at, they will always get injuries. And, you know, it sounds a little crass at times, but you always hope that it's not someone important. Yep. You always hope like it's a third string lineman that has gone down. That's in garbage time or something like that, because there is an injury count. I think that each team sort of, you know, gets each year and, you know, obviously not set in stone, but I think it, it just seems to happen that there is a number of injuries. Like the 49ers last year were decimated with injuries, but they were injuries to important people. That's why mm -hmm. they were seen as more. Other teams had just as many injuries, but they were to probably lesser known individuals, mm -hmm. you know? So, you know, every team has them. It's just, you always hope it's not the important one. Um, like that, like we just mentioned, the the Raiders uh, on on Sunday that Derek Carr actually was rolled up on during the game on Sunday, and he was lucky that he was able to come back in to the game. And um, Brandon Graham, a name that we didn't mention, just after coming to mind as well. You know the the Eagles um, pass rusher uh, ruptured Achilles out for the year. You know, and like from so then suddenly. The Eagles, who go from a very dangerous defensive line with Fletcher Cox and, and Brandon Graham there, now they've taken such a step back because Graham is out. Um, so that teams don't have to sort of account for him this year. Maybe it might be a little tougher for uh, the Eagles' defense for the, for the rest of the season. We saw, especially saw it there that in the second half of the game against the, the 49ers that they weren't um, as productive uh, as they were in week one. 
against uh, the Falcons. And I don't know if you'll, um, we'll move on down in a second, but I don't know if there's anything else you want to add to the sort of injury Sunday as it's, as it's sort of being called. Yeah, just I think for those fans who whose team have been affected, I think you need to take a breath and steady yourself. I know we have this narrative nearly every year, whether it's like you mentioned, stood guys around the line. That's a tough place to play about on offense and defense. And, and I remember, I think last year or maybe 2019, we saw a lot of star receivers get injured and that kind of caught the, the narrative, especially on Twitter within the players were expressing concern and, and commenting on how many stars had gone down and how they never remember anything like that. And I think as fans, we have short-term memory and we forget about these things and it does happen every single year. And it is the reason your team works so hard in the draft and why every year we have a breakout rookie. Normally it's because the star on the other side has gone down and, and they've had to step up and play. So as much as uh, I cringed earlier on about the next man up scenario, it still holds true in, in every team. So be patient. Let's see how, how the cookie crumbles. You just have to hope that your key injury can be patched as best as possible and, and your other strengths that remain healthy can can make up for it on the other side. Yeah, exactly. And, and like, you, like you mentioned, there are always some sort of positives to come out of this in terms of like that. Um, an example, Jerry Judy goes down last week. He is on IR for the next couple of weeks. Cortland Sutton and Tim Patrick for the Broncos stepped up this week against the Jaguars so that they are getting, so like, you know, you get that sort of diamond that you probably couldn't give it as many chances to because you had the star player who's gone down. Now this guy can sort of show how good he really mm-hmm. is and to help steady a, a ship that could topple over Um under different circumstances, but now that they have adequate cover um, and they have, like like you were saying, perfect example last season as well, Justin Herbert comes in after the injury to, to Tyrone Taylor and they never look back after that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And even the Saints again with, uh, with Teddy Bridgewater. Okay, he was known before, but all of a sudden they, they have Drew Brees go down and he wins every game that he came in and played. Yeah. So uh, it, can, it can be absolutely possible to avoid disaster and we just have to wait and see and hope that your organization has put the right safety nets in place and make sure everybody's game ready to to fulfill their role because at the end of the day a guy who can play his role even if it's not as flashy as the star it can really help your team win so we'll see now whose organizations have really prepared well during the preseason that's exactly yeah that's exactly but let's move on to our next topic uh let's bring up the big wheel of topics one more time this evening i think we have enough time for one let's see if we get through quick enough we might have enough time for a second one but let's see what we're going to be talking about first we're going to spin that wheel one more time and see where we're going to land oh you can't avoid it this time you can't avoid it this time of course seahawks choke on randy bullocks um, so the Seahawks, I'm sure people are well aware at this stage. Seahawks blew a 24 to 9 lead at halftime to lose an overtime to the Titans 33 to 30. Um, in a game that became the Derrick Henry game in the second half, and it was a perfect, um, away performance you could say from a team you know rely on the running back to shut the crowd up keep running at them and in the second half they'll get tired and that's exactly what happened um seahawks in the first half looked great 
you know, like I mentioned, 24 to nine up and absolutely exquisite. And I don't think it's getting enough credit because they lost the game, but their two minute drill before half time where they went down the field um, and scored a touchdown just before halftime to wait to go 24 and nine up was absolutely brilliant. If you can go onto game pass and watch in the last two minutes of the first half, just to see the Seahawks go up the field and score that touchdown was beautiful. It's sort of the perfect sort of Shane Waldron um, idea I think he has for his offense. Great biggest thing was though, only uh, they only had the possession for three more times in the second half, um, and he went three and out, three and out, three and out. Um, I think four, sorry. The fourth one, they got a, a touchdown due to a blown coverage um, by the Titans defense. So the second half, they sort of struggled. They struggled, struggled in the second half last week against the Colts as well, but the Colts didn't have a Derrick Henry to sort of get them back in this game. But Bjorn, I'm interested to hear from a, an outsider's point of view. Obviously, I'm very um, connected and dialed in, obviously. So I, I sort of critique Seahawks games way too much. What did you make of Sunday? I think there's reasons to be calm as a Seahawks fan and reasons to be nervous as a Seahawks fan. It it has shades so far of the Kansas City Chiefs maybe two, three seasons ago before they got the uh, the defensive weapons they have now where your offense can outshoot at the moment until it can't. And the defense just isn't providing enough resistance to the opposition to put you in a position to win. Like you saw how much they could run up the score in the first half. And when you can't score again, you really need your defense to be able to shut that game up and seal it off. And unfortunately, as I'm sure you're aware and will admit to, defense has drifted away from the famous Legion of Boom era and maybe become a little bit of a weak point for the Seahawks at the moment. So uh, I, of course, I'm going to say I'm big on the Russell Wilson's cliff is coming. I think he has shown two second-half cliffs, almost mini steps on the way to the <laughs> cliff so far. That's my takeaway. You but know, I do have... <laughs> I was going to say, you know, Fionn, um, for the fourth quarter, the fact that they couldn't get, um, you know, a first down, mm-hmm. and then for their one single series that they had um, in overtime when they got the ball back, the defense worked so hard to get the ball back in overtime to give the Seahawks a chance to win. And then for the three plays, they're on their own 10-yard line, I believe it was. They don't run the ball once. They don't try and uh, check down once. Russell Wilson kept trying to go for these stern plays the whole time to, uh, mm-hmm. to touchdown. And I was thinking, if it was a cliff, he was taking a step. That mm-hmm. was a step towards it there now. Because he was trying the star balls too many times. And I, it, it was so reminiscent of last year where... Teams did the two high safeties and then just um, cut out the the long moon balls. Um, so that and and the Seahawks never adjusted, and all, all the blame was given to uh, the offensive coordinator at the time, Brian Schottenheimer. But the same thing happened on Sunday with the new offensive coordinator, of course, Shane Waldron, where we saw when teams were going great last week, he was doing these intermediate throws, which is obviously the big thing around Seahawks uh, talk at the moment is he's not doing these intermediate throws to keep the chains moving. He's going for the star place all the time. He wasn't doing that this week. Um, And is it now where the question has to be? It's not the offensive coordinator's fault. It's not necessarily Pete Carroll's fault. It's 
maybe possibly Russell Wilson's fault for not going through the transitions like he should have been, like he did last week. Again, it could very well be an overreaction. They play the Vikings this week. They could go out and, and put 40 up on the Vikings and play the perfect game like they did against the Colts for the first half and like they did against the, C- the Titans for the first half. They could make it into a full game. But no, sorry, I just wanted to interrupt you there on your point because you mentioned the cliff and I thought this was the step <laughs> for Fionn's cliff. I think so. And it's not necessarily that his talent is going to run out. I think it's a... a- accumulation of the years in Seattle and and you can nearly see it in his in his mentality in the preseason of demanding his line gets improved and this kind of things and I don't mind that I think I agree with him I do think he needs a little bit more protection but the problem is for me that it feeds into this idea that he is the Seahawks he will drag them to the to the Super Bowl and yes he could easily absolutely annihilate the Vikings and when it clicks it clicks and if he can hit those star plays those moon balls all the words he used to describe it looks fantastic it works really well the problem is if the defense can shut it down and that's not by no means easy if I could shut it down he is now more inclined I believe than at the start of his his uh tenure there in the Seahawks to just stick with it and say no 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 I'll come out of this trough and I'll keep slinging it and that's going to cause some problems, I believe. But I have a question back for you, and and that question is: you already touched on it. They didn't run at all in the in the final overtime quarter. Carson finished with thirteen carries, thirty-one yards. Where is that problem? Is that a scheme problem? Is that's, that a Carson problem, or is that a defense problem? I, uh, that was something I was going to bring up because um, last week he did run quite well. I think he ran for about ninety something yards against the Colts so this the, the running scheme was there and leading up to, to last week's game um, Shane Bowen the defensive coordinator for the Titans highlighted one aspect of the game that they had to stop to give them himself a chance to beat the Seahawks and that's when he said stop Chris Carson and podcast Seahawks podcast I listened to obviously relay we're listening and they talked about it on their own shows and they laughed at that saying okay you're going to focus on Carson well Russ is going to throw x amount on you but there you go he was right because in the second half when you are 24 9 up okay it was 24 um 24-16 because I think in their first possession they they got that touchdown from Henry I could be wrong but in the second half, when you're up that much, especially when it was 30-16, you want to rely on your running game to help take time off the clock and to help, you know, keep the chains moving. But Because they could not establish a running game in the first half, they they totally abandoned it in the second half, which means they could play their high safeties, they could play multiple DBs, and they could just have their four men on the line in case they did try and run the ball to put up and to also put pressure on Wilson, and that worked. And that that's what all loads of teams did in the second half of last year to frustrate the Seahawks, which is why sort of you know um, the 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 cliff talk came into it because of how poor the second half of Wilson's season was. So, you know, he could be onto something there with the running game, and I, it was very interesting there that you uh, that you noticed it yourself. Yeah, especially what stood out to me, like you already mentioned, is when you have that big lead, you normally expect your running backs to be up over 100 yards, over 20, even 30 touches. 
to try and ice the game. You saw, you already described how the Titans using Derrick Henry kept you guys to three possessions, four possessions yeah. in the second half and overtime. That's a killer for a team. And, and for the Titans, they could take advantage, obviously, by scoring the points and being efficient with the ball. But it should have been no contest, especially with, like you yeah. said, the running scheme is there to get him touches. So uh, obviously you would have watched the game. So I was wondering what exactly precipitated that problem because 31 off 13 is even as it as it stands itself is not a, a brilliant ratio in terms of uh, yards per carry either and at the nfl yeah. level anyway that's for sure and, and 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 the interesting side of it as well I, i'd like to say maybe interesting or confusing side you could say um was like you mentioned he only had 30 33 32 yards from from 13 carries Alex Collins had one run for 25 yards and then he wasn't mm-hmm. put in the game at, at all for the rest of it, mm-hmm. um, which is a crazy decision because Chris Carson is more of your, you know, Marshawn Lynch, hard running sort of um, between the between the guard and the tackle sort of running back. But Alex Collins is your fast guy to go on the outside if you need to, if it's not, if you need that. But they never used him again, which I found yeah. really confusing that if he had such a good run in the first half, why don't you give it to him again? And that worries me a little bit about your offensive scheme in general. Chris Carson is the name, of course, but that doesn't necessarily mean it has to be on him. It's your running game in total that needs to ice that game. And if if you need to ride the hot hand of the speedster is what the defense is struggling with, then you got to keep the speedster in the game. If the heavy hitter is what they're struggling with, then you keep slugging it for three yards and a cloud of dust as the old adage used to go. So that's what really confused me is that even as a team, they didn't have that many running attempts, which was kind of strange. Only I have here in front of me, only 18 attempts, 77 yards, given the halftime score. That's a very strange statistic. It is. It is. And and could be potentially concerning. But look, don't want to stay negative. They are one and one. There are so many teams that are one and one. It's a, it's a bit of a mental year. There are only seven teams that are undefeated so far this at this point in the year. The only problem for the Seahawks is three of them are in their division (laughs) because the Cardinals, the Rams and the 49ers, of course, are two, uh, two and oh. So it is a sneaky, important game this weekend coming up against the Vikings. The Vikings are obviously hurting because they have uh, an 0 and 2 record from two very close losses, first against the Bengals and, of course, on Sunday against the Cardinals. So they will need a win to sort of keep their chances alive in the division um, in the uh, NFC North. The Seahawks will need to win. So this that could that could be a very important game for so early in the year. So we'll have to see what sort of happens um, this Sunday. But like I said, it's not no need to sort of panic too much. It was only one game. They right, right the wrong this week. You know, get the running attack uh, sorted. Because... Let's not forget this Titan. Everyone was down on this Titans team because of what happened last week, but they forgot about how good they were last season, mm-hmm. and they forgot that Julio Jones is part of that team too. And Julio Jones went for over hundred yards last last Sunday too. You know, so this Titans team is a good team. So you know, losing to them, a lot of people would have thought at the start of the season that they could lose that game, and look, they did. Move on. You'd rather get this loss out of the way early in the season so that you can sort of right any uh, wrongs that you need to for the rest of the year. But, uh, Fionn, I think that's our four topics for this week. Um, some good topics. Uh, there were some other ones that I wanted to talk about. Um, but 
what do you think? Will we go for one more? Sure, we'll go one yeah. quick one. We'll have a, a two sentence, a, a little a 10 second each to kind of rebuke okay. or uh, agree with whatever comes up. All right, there's there's a few there that I want to speak about. Okay. Um, well, maybe you can, and... I don't know how much control you have over this wheel. Maybe you can fudge it. I think you just want to keep going now that the Seahawks is out of the way. You're safe. <laughs> you can I'm start free. unleashing on the other teams around the place. I'm so happy that uh, I can uh, just talk now and I didn't go too overboard. Well, at least I hope I didn't. But actually, I'll tell you what, we won't use the wheel. I see one topic I want to talk about. And, you know, I wanted to talk about it because um, Jake was originally meant to be on the show, but unfortunately, mm-hmm. due to the legal battle you guys are having, you can't legally mm-hmm. be on the same stream. Um, but uh, my my one that I added into the wheel said, is Joe Judge on the hot seat? Absolutely. He's on yeah. the hot seat because the, uh, the Giants are not a good football team this year. Uh, and they will continue not to be a good football team this year. So even if it's only in my head, I think he is. As a projection he will struggle to keep his job at the end of this season if this continues. Okay, close loss against Washington, but the reality is a loss is a loss. The Broncos got them fairly well week one, and again, I already mentioned at the top of the show, week one is week one. There's a certain amount of rustiness, but yeah, I think you you have to find a win from somewhere. Uh, The Falcons are coming up. Maybe that's their chance, but they do have a rough run of games coming after that with the, the Saints the Cowboys, the Giants, or sorry, the, the the Rams and the Panthers. So that's uh, that's not an easy slate of games to come up. So I think they need to figure out whatever's going wrong pretty quickly. And uh, I'm a little bit nervous about Saquon Barkley as well, I have to say. He did rip off one big run, but uh, mm-hmm. he didn't exactly light up the stat sheet. Well, I think, and and that's the the chat that we had with, with Jerry uh, from the Joint Insider on, on Thursday that, I, I believe that a lot of Saquon's issues this year are not going to are going to they're going to say it's down to his um, his knee injury, but I mm-hmm. think it's scheme. I think it's, it's yeah. the fact that you know Jason Garrett. I don't think is a good enough play caller. I think the fact that he was brought on is a is another mark against Joe Judge. I think he should have. There was better people out there to sort of hire instead of Jason Garrett. The issues obviously he had in the offseason with, you know, the fight and then the running and then the player, multiple players retiring because of this. Um, you know, I think maybe not all is as rosy as it's being made out to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and I agree with you. I think that he is a bit on the hot seat. It was interesting to see Jerry um, tweet out after the game. Uh, and he uh, he said that the honeymoon period for Joe Judge is officially over. So there could be like a sense in New York as well from, from fans and maybe media that the tide is going to turn a little bit. You know, you gave him last season, but you need to see progression and there's not enough progression happening there with the Giants at the moment. So they'll have to sort of get things sorted out soon. And when you list off though, that schedule that you just mentioned, I can't see it improving much anytime soon. Well, look, the only chance they have is if, Barkley catches fire. He's under 100 yards for two games. That's not per game. That's total over two yards. He hasn't cracked 100 yards yet over two games, I beg your pardon. So uh, I think if they could get him going, but that's my nerves, right? These guys were studs before injury, and we've seen injury really slow down a significant amount of players. doesn't always happen. I'm not willing to put my house or a picture or anything on it to say he can't be the Saquon of old, but at the very least, it's going to take him a while. And Joe Judge has to hope that 
by the time he gets back in action, he hasn't already lost his seat in the minds of the GM and ownership. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's it. I just wanted to mention that very quickly before the show because I think um, Jake now watching this back is going absolutely insane that we're actually thinking that Joe Judge is on the hot seat. But uh, Jake, that that's for you. Um, hopefully you enjoy it or maybe you didn't enjoy it. But look, listen, <laughs> that's what you get from this on the show. I'm only messing. I'm only messing. You got, you obviously, uh, um, obviously, Jake. We, we'll we'll talk it. We'll talk more about that. Obviously, in the next coming weeks, if the losses start to stack up and, and things aren't looking great uh, in New York, but I think that's the perfect place to end this week's show. Fionn, thanks so much for taking the time, um, as always, to, to speak to us. Um, we're glad we got your contractual issues sorted. You ha- you got your holiday away, and, mm-hmm. and now you got to experience the big wheel of topics for the first time. It was fantastic. It was as advertised. I can see why the fans are going nuts about us. I'm excited <laughs> to keep it going over the rest of the season. Perfect. Excellent stuff. So, And guys, also, if you ever want to add a topic, to their big wheel of topics that you want us to speak about, just get us on any of our social pages and drop us a message there. You can do it on our Twitter at UnderCenterPod. Follow us there. You can send us a direct message or just uh, tweet us. You can also send us a message on Instagram at UnderCenterPod. You can do it too. Or if you prefer uh, on Facebook, you can do it there too. Facebook.com forward slash UnderCenterPod. Hell, you can even send us an email. UnderCenterPodcast at gmail.com. If you ever want to send us a topic that you want us to talk about on the show. Also, make sure you are tuned in um, tomorrow where we're going to be giving our Thursday night football preview. Of course, it's the Panthers traveling to Houston to take on the Texans. We will have uh, some great guests lined up for you as well to to preview the game from both sides, uh, from both teams. So we're looking forward to that. And then, of course, on Friday, go to our YouTube page, under center podcast on YouTube, you will have our YouTube exclusive show of how you can uh, beat the bookies and win a bit of money heading into the third week of the regular season. But until then, that's your lot for tonight. Stay safe, and we'll see you soon.